Welcome back to the Yield Podcast number five. Okay. <laughs> I'm Jaden, this is Sam, that is Nick, and also Daniel. There we go. We're nice. discussing uh, product, not, productivity, uh, self-improvement. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, self-improvement, self-care, and like life and what we're doing. Basically what we're reading and everything. Yep. So, Jaden, we probably want to, like, if we keep that in, uh, Jaden's reading a White Fragility book. And I think it would be good if you, or we all think it would be good if you talked about it on here and all the ideas and everything. So yeah, I'm going to hand so, it to you. I, I had an interest in reading White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo because uh, I had read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And I wanted to understand further how white people in particular sort of uh, unconsciously uh, you know encourage racism in our society okay. and she's this so far she's discussed that uh, or I, I should say that points that she has made is that uh, humans cannot be racist individually you can only be prejudiced as an individual and to be free of prejudice is quite literally impossible as a human being because we the way that we navigate the world is through judgment and things like that and so it is she she dismisses that it it is a or she says that it is a common misconception that you are racist as an individual and that it has to have a societal or institutional uh, dimension to it in order for racism to culminate. Uh, for example, okay, like ahead, ahead. In, in businesses and such like that, she discusses how... Um, let me think... What was what was your caption specifically saying? Well, let me let me pull it up. Let me pull it. Or like up. at least at least what what have you learned that you want to apply to your, to how you see things? Well, like, for... like what do you agree on? So I agree that many many uh, people or white people in particular do not want to discuss racism because they see it as this like taboo thing and that a lot of uh, white people see don't associate themselves with race and rather than other people of color as having race and so since that we are surround that white people are pretty much primarily surrounded by other white people and have little to no sincere interaction with people of color that uh, we are very limited in our perspective and like to hide within that perspective. And so uh, whenever we are called out or corrected for making um, biased and prejudiced statements that you know we deep we deep down know are are charged and not appropriate in the slightest 
we have to rush to defend our moral character because in our society, a lot of people see racism as an individual thing with meritocracy. And so if you are accused of being racist, then it is a deep attack on your character. And so it is an immediate rush to defend yourself and to discredit the um, uh, the person who has delivered the message that you have done or said something or implied something that was not appropriate. And it is extremely counterintuitive to sort of creating more of a positive perception of people of our color in our society because white people uh, in the society do not want to accept that they were just doing something uh, terrible because they perceive it as an attack on their moral character. But and she makes that, very... You're talking about actual racist things, right? I don't know if most white people are doing anything racist throughout their like day-to-day lives. So is that what what specifically are they referring to, or is she referring to, when you like, attack someone that something that a white person says that has prejudice? Well, a lot of the examples that she uses in this book are accounts of like her teaching um, racial divor- diversity workshops within businesses, and uh, just being a sociologist in general and trying to inform people on this topic. Um, but I, I'll, I'll get to, I'll get to the more day-to-day things in a second. I mean, it's not like, it's not like people that have these prejudices know that they have these prejudices. Like it's mostly That's, implicit. Yes. Isn't right. It? But, but when you're yeah, talking yeah, about he, it, you're just saying, or not you specific. I know you're just telling the books. So I'm not saying you like Jaden. I'm just saying, so when you talk about it, you you're saying white people in general, like it's just generalizing, like all white people. You know, in my that's head, that's thing. how it sounds. That there is there is a reason. Okay. And also, is it is this like uh, similar to the argument that people make where we're all inherently racist if we're white and we're working for a system that they say like oppose, oppresses like people of color? Like, is that is that where this idea comes from, or is it similar to that? Well, she actually discusses about that. She oh, she refers I... to white people as a whole because um, she makes the point that uh, even before and uh, towards birth, w- uh, we as white people are handed these uh, privileges. And uh, with the meritocracy that we have in America, uh, white people like to dismiss this. And that uh, it is we have gotten to where we are based on the contents of our character. But even so, uh, in our society, there are many like factors that are very evident that show that we do have privilege. We just do not want to see it. Like for example, whenever uh, th- this is a situation that she uses in the book, whenever somebody. Uh, moves to a specific neighborhood because there are there's a school with great test scores that school is predominantly white like a lot of white teachers um, less than five percent black people in the neighborhood or people of color and um, it's white run mostly white students a lot of white teachers I, I just repeated myself 
and then whenever you look towards uh, schools that are deemed that have uh, low test scores, that is just another way of saying it is a predominantly um, it is a do it is a school that has a uh, dominant population of people of color, because in those schools there go there are um, a lot less quality of teachers because a lot less government funding goes into those schools. Um, yeah. Okay. So I agree that because of how society has been set up in the past, that it's caused the the white people to be born now to have these certain privileges because because it's just like on average colored people are going to be born in less privileged neighborhoods connected to people of color less 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 or connected to schools with lower quality teachers lower quality administration for their school districts and that's just how how that's like the consequences of how society has been set up in the past and how um, I think that past laws has made it harder for colored people to live in these suburbs, these suburban neighborhoods. But I think mostly all of that, all of those law stuff has been gone, but obviously there's still those effects. But I don't know too much on this topic, but earlier I wanted to say that I think that the reason for why um, there's these implicit prejudices um, for white people towards colored people is because white people are a majority. And I was trying to say that, that white people um, are only exposed to white people and they're exposed to white people things and white suburbans and white schools. And that when they're introduced to different cultures and different, different lifestyles that they see it as not normal as they have like some kind of imp implicit implicit um prejudice that this is something that they can't relate to and that they deem is external or alien compared to them so what i mean i have yeah. that and i just think it's interesting i think it's cool i don't know why it has to why have why we have to generalize that it has to be a negative emotion against that i understand okay, people like, don't feel comfortable i'm not i'm not saying it's negative nick i'm saying that this is why i think that that that's how that the, the how you're raised is that's why it causes that some people are racist. The one thing is, like, I think people, like, if you really want to change that, you have to, it, it's not like you can't just, like, have it's opportunities not, not to something... be with other, to see uh, other black people. If you, you get closer own to a business. Mic, I'm sorry. Oh, really? A little bit. All right. If you can. Let me change. Let me push it closer. Uh, I don't think that... I don't, it's not something to defend yourself against. It's just something that I think that is there and that you could recognize that it's there. Like, yeah, you said, so what? It's just maybe you just recognize that it's there. Sure. I think it's like oh, yeah. what you it's do not, with you it. Can't, obviously, you can't remove it. I have it too. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm surrounded by white people. I was, I was born, or now I am, in a mostly white suburban. Like, obviously, I have that, that implicit bias too. It's just recognizing that it's there. It's not saying that you're a racist. It's not saying that I'm a racist, that... Obviously, it's just, it's there. And I think that people should know that it's there. Yeah. I think yeah. one thing is like, um, is that you can recognize it's there and then you can choose to, what to do with that. So, like, you can, like, widen who you, like, are friends with. You can try to be friends with more people who aren't white or you can probably try to do... It, it's, it goes back to, like, what you can do with yourself. Like, I think 
and I think that's the biggest thing that we can take away, at least what we can do now. And I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I think I'm sort of at odds here because I do agree with it. Like I've, I've had many discussions where like the school system and everything is pretty screwed up. It's designed where you're zoned here and mostly poor neighborhoods are here and you got gerrymandering too. So already that's districts can get like screwed up. But, um, and what and what Jaden was saying earlier mm-hmm. when before we were recording was how there's how there's stigmas attached, and uh, it's just like if if one person doesn't recognize or know or is self aware about their implicit bias or their implicit prejudice that you can do something to 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 like say like uh, don't you don't have to reinforce that stigma just because like I don't know a school is poorly funded that they're not made up of of uh people of color you know what i mean like there's mm-hmm. other things that people say that you could step in yeah and yeah, reinforce the, first... the fact that 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 they're not normal that what they're saying is not should not be normal i i believe that the first steps that you can take and one of the most significant is that to uh, to admit and understand that if if you are white or in a privileged position that you recognize that privilege and it is not a sincere thing uh to apologize for that because that is not something that you can control what you can do that actually makes a difference as opposed to you know apologizing for being white like that is that is not the issue the issue is that that the fact that you were able to get the gain these privileges since birth and that what you can do is to um i'm trying to put the words together what you can do is to be actively conscious of of these things and try to uh and try to you know research and see what you can do to make a difference for the future because I'm not, I'm not saying any of you guys do this, but an example that I could think of um, that I'm sure that some, some kids do is let's say that you're white, you're in a college, um, and you see a person of color struggling with, with, their, with their curriculum, their course, their class, and you probably assume or think in your head that they probably got through because of affirmative action, and now they're having a hard time because they weren't qualified. But obviously, the reason is is because they were underprivileged compared to you. They had a they didn't have a head start compared to you. They started probably in a rougher neighborhood with a rougher school with with not as good teachers or they didn't have a mentor. They probably had classes and curriculums that weren't as good as yours. Just because they're, yeah, they're probably I think, underqualified. I think yes, that's not necessarily yes. a good thing to assume. Like I I don't know, I just go back to this whole generalization problem. I don't think it's good to generalize anything. I feel like if you meet someone, you, you're talking to an individual. I, th- I feel like each person is, is different. Obviously, if you're talking about society and societal factors, then that's different. But if you just meet someone and your first thought is that they got there with for affirmative act or because of affirmative action, that I, I, that's not really a thought I would have. That's kind of racist in a I'm way. I'm not saying that I, I began the statement by saying that not not I know. like you guys don't say this and that everyone doesn't doesn't think this. But some people probably do, and some people there are definitely have people who think stronger that. prejudices, stronger implicit prejudices than we do. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, there's, 
she she highlights that there is a very um there's a very common generalization especially within like very biased medias that um whenever something bad happens to a white person it is a product of their environment and that when something bad happens to a person of color it is an internal flaw like for example if a white person were to be convicted of the same crime of a black person the white person uh, evidently shown uh, and i've seen many many um articles that that ha that show this is that uh it it will often always sympathize not for um or it'll sympathize with the environment of the of the white person for example he was bullied you know he was ostracized but then when it comes to considering the circumstances of the person of color it is just automatically said that in many wor many harmful and negative words like oh, thug are used to make it seem like that it also wasn't their environment it was just how they are and challenge this, that today, this probably though. sounds anecdotal but there's probably statistics or algorithms that that study these news channels and these news reportings and they and they they quote which words they use for which color of person and it's probably true that for 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 people of color they use that those words thug and i don't know i don't know what i mean words, but so i think obviously. i want to challenge that today because i feel like it's gone the opposite i feel like right now with what's been going on in terms of uh like the hundred plus days of riots i feel like it's gone the opposite way i think what's going on right now is that more white people are committing crimes and uh but but what okay i want to back up track out of that when you take for example i think the jacob blake situation there's a lot of stuff that challenges each view in that situation but the view that they take is that he was an innocent black man who was infiltrated by the cops and even though there's footage of him resisting arrest and everything it's still like it's they still take that side and it feeds into the people fighting against the police and rioting and uh this perception that they're being hunted down i feel like and then with uh kyle rittenhouse a guy who was yeah that was insane has, dude the, how he is basically the, i don't know about a lot of stories i i know mostly about the kyle rittenhouse story and mm -hmm. he he should not have been there with a gun because he no. was 17. That was the first mistake. But he shouldn't other, have been called to help that business. Otherwise, he was he was like before the 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 riders, I guess, were um, starting to fo uh, follow him and um, like being aggressive towards him. He was offering them help. He was like, "Anyone hurt? Like, I'm a anybody. I'm a, I'm a medic. Anyone Both hurt?" Sides. And he was he just was saying that while they were trying to attack him. Yeah, and he and had a, he had his gun and his first aid around his shoulders. That's what he was what he was carrying. And if you look at how they, they they cover that story compared to Jacob Blake, then you will see that this person who like they're both at fault for some things, and both I think both sides are at fault. But I think Kyle Rittenhouse was totally self defense. They was self defense, and I think that's what they're gathering. That's what they're going to rule out yeah. with him in the court, especially since if you've seen that twelve minute video that his legal yeah, team yeah, there's some really actually. good footage. Of there's what new happened, footage. So. Yes, so I take that as an example as like 
So I took Jacob Blake and now Kyle Rittenhouse, this person who, from the start, the only per- people who actually dismissed that narrative of him being a white supremacist was a New York Times writer who actually looked at the footage and they said, this looks like self-defense. Other yeah. than that, everybody was saying that he was a white supremacist, he was there to cause trouble, and then people started following that. I think it's gone in reverse. And what, what we should be working for is having none of it. Instead, looking at everything... I mean, and I think reporting it, it for what I, it is. I think it depends on on who the audience is, because like, mm-hmm. obviously, like, let's say, for example, there is a protest slash riot, and I feel like politically, liberals are gonna call it, like, if it's like if it's a riot, liberals are gonna call it a, pro- a protest, and mostly peaceful. The conservatives are gonna call it a riot, and. I don't know, it, it doesn't at that mm-hmm. point like it doesn't matter what color they are it just it, it it's like politically fueled but truth is truth if it's a riot it's a riot if it's unrest yeah. it's unrest yeah. if it's a protest it's a protest just mm-hmm. because you call it what do you call it doesn't make it so yeah, yeah. there's still truth but there's also but like like news reportings on different stories and anecdotes and stuff like all all of it can be easily skewed that's what they call the narrative. Each person's each each yeah. me- media bias is pushing their own version of the truth. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Sam about him reading narratives on social media. Oh yeah, well I think everyone, I think to a degree, everything's it's a very easy. I mean, yeah, yeah. I th- but I think it's to a degree of how much you get into the narrative. I think that's where the problem comes in. So for me, uh, I, I want to tell you guys this. I think Jaden was here for a bit, but. Um, what I was doing was I was going down that rabbit hole of staying to my own bubble and narrative. And I was going deeper into that, which was not helping me be who I was before, which I, I still do consider myself like moderate, but I think I'm, I was going much more leaning, like much more like right. right. Yeah. And, uh, I was just getting like into my head. Like I, I would hear what I want to hear. I would, um, dispute a lot of stuff from the other side i don't listen to the re- like reasonable side and i was becoming like those people on instagram who only follow I don't, I, I don't follow uh like only conservatives on instagram almost all my feed is liberal but i was listening to but i was in this bubble that had changed my perception on almost everything i saw and that was a problem because i wasn't being honest i wasn't being open <clears throat> But at the same time, in the other side, like, I feel like all the, not all, obviously, but a lot of the Mm -hmm. liberals that we know from real life, they're in that liberal bubble. That's just as bad as the bubble that you were in. They're they're in their own parallel universe. And I'm I'm trying to get out of that. That's that's what I'm working towards right now. He told me, Daniel told me, I need to get out of that. The bubbles exist for both sides. Yeah. For everyone. Mm -hmm. But... I think it's it's worse on the left, to be honest. I feel like their parallel universe has gotten way out of hand more than the the people who are on the right, to be honest. I think it depends because a lot of the times we just don't really realize who's in a bubble and who's not. But also, I do, like, obviously I do believe that that's the case. But I also think, like, it's in terms of, like, you just need to work, like, see for what it is. You need to work yourself out of it. If you look at... I like I got rid of Twitter, and most, some of the people who I followed who were conservative would do that same thing. They were they were in the bubble, and they would only talk about stories that would benefit their side, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't. They would always address the other side as wrong, 
and insane. And sometimes they were right, yeah. but they were not addressing every single like, thing. I, I think, think no was, matter what party you're in, you should address every single thing. Now it's only applied to moderates. I think I was talking to you about this yesterday, Sam, but like, for example, Tim yeah. Pool, who's a, a journalist that I like a lot. I know mm-hmm. his bias. Like he has a, a bias and he's very open about it. He says, he says so that like, you should listen to me and you should listen to David Pacman and other, other Everybody, commentators yeah. are not in the same bias as he is, but I still appreciate his perspective. You just have to be aware that Tim Pool is going to talk about the riots. Tim Pool is going to talk about SJWs. Tim Pool is going to, he has the things that keep the topics that he usually talks about. And if you only watch Tim Pool, like I did for a month in April or something, then you're gonna, that's, that's going to be what you think. Like it's just gonna yes, change. I think, yeah, it is. It is really hard, it, especially with how readily available a lot of information is these days to formulate your own opinions. Yeah, because it well, every every single news source is is biased, obviously. And what they do is that they sneak in ways to to show their opinion. And you don't realize it, so you subconsciously take in that opinion rather than reflecting on the information and then seeking to go look at how other sides perceive it. <clears throat> also, also, I think was, yeah. if you read, I also this is something that I, I think it would be good if, now that you're starting to read more books or you're interested in reading books is that just because it's in a book doesn't mean it's true. Like a book mm-hmm. is just a writer throwing an idea into the world, and then you have to take that idea, think about it, and 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 make up your own opinion of that idea just because they say just because you're reading a book doesn't mean that it's it's the whole truth and that it applies on 100 percent of the cases whatever the yeah. book is about so that's, you still have the, to be self-critical of, about the book that's the case of any 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 piece of text but i was i was trying to say that um the bubble thing exists for both sides but i i think i i think i agree that more people are in their bubble on the left con- compared to the right, but the but the bubbles can get just as intense because Instagram is gonna look at what at what you like at what you send to other people. They're like oh, they yeah, probably yeah. listen to what you talk about. They probably listen <clears throat> to what opinions that you form because they can hear you, and so they're just gonna keep feeding you what you want to hear. And so basically, the first information or text that you read or see is going to be the opinion that you form and you're going to automatically reject the, the opinion that comes after it or the opposing opinion that comes after the first one that you read. Also, I think, I think why, different, so, sorry, yeah. different social media have different, like I think Instagram has more left-leaning bias and I know Facebook has a lot of right, right uh, groups. Well, like different Facebook so, in terms websites, of, yeah, uh, groups are, groups Facebook leads right. Yeah. But in terms of Facebook itself, it does lean left. So it's like fighting against each other. Mm. But what I was saying is that I think the reason why that there are more people and bubbles on the left do social media is because the media is on, most of the media is left leaning. And I think that's oh, where it's easier to get into that. The media itself, okay. most of the mainstream media yes. is left leaning and they're getting and, more and more extreme. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, I think it's not because, I think it's because young people use media and social media a lot more than older people and i think that's why on a on a like on a scale basis on general that's why it's more left-leaning and it's also the thing is that most people read headlines only they don't want to read the entire article and sometimes i think uh obviously you wouldn't have time to read the entire article but you need to you can also compare headlines but people also look at like go on twitter there's just one article that everyone's sharing on trending and it has this one set headline if everyone's sharing it, it's got to be true. That's their thought process. But, um, but I mean, okay, I got to get, so I, 
I'm gonna have to go pretty soon. Uh, dip out of this episode. Yeah, right now actually. So um, that's fine. We're I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give my yeah I'm gonna give my outro, and then I'll let you guys continue and everything. But thank you guys for uh, listening. I hope you continue to listen to them, obviously, because this is really good. And I wish I could stay, but I have to go do some other stuff that is really important. So Gotta thank you guys. Away. I'll be on next time and good conversation so far. Keep yes, it up. Yes. Alright, goodbye. Bye, bye, See ya. Uh, this has been this has been a hard, a hard, hard topics to like yeah. for me to like I wrap know. my head around. There's yeah. too many ways and perspectives, and too many. Yeah, too many different layers. Yeah. Yeah, like when I when I started reading this book, I was a little bit resistant to it because obviously it is calling out my way of life and I wasn't I is it I started reading it with the mentality that I did not want my mind changed I just wanted to understand and there are actually very a lot of things in this book that has given me a, a perspective shift and that will like help me navigate my my way through the world hmm. so that I can you know be conscious of you know my my biases and um my prejudices and unconscious um and unconscious mistakes yeah it's it's hard and uh, i was gonna say that like earlier nick like obviously i i agree with you like we shouldn't generalize and assume things and basically use racism to combat racism but i can see where the point of like needing to combat racism if racism is necessary because obviously in a perfect world it wouldn't exist and we wouldn't have to assume things and generalize things but i think it's it's like there's there's merit for people that are actually are racist and but the answer is not racism yeah the answer uh, the answer to bad ideas is better ideas okay not not more hatred so if, Actually, if you think someone has a bad argument, you just need a very better argument. You don't need an argument that's just as bad as his, just against him. That's the yeah, that's the problem. I was that's, saying a very a very big point in this book is that uh, she does not condone reverse racism. She, I mean, she obviously addresses that there are very negative prejudices that people of color can have towards white people, but it obviously doesn't have the weight. Because it doesn't have white people don't have an oppressive history behind it. But a, a big point that. that she was trying to push is that whenever I, I and I think that like she is ex, she didn't explicitly say it, but it, she's saying that um, people of color's prejudice towards white people does not help the problem. It is white people who are you know at the uh, top of society need to speak up for the people on the bottom that's fair to say uh, or that's that's how <clears throat> that's how she describes it because yeah. the people the people who are um um what is what is the word it's it's unwantingly something like that the people who are unwantingly unwantingly at the bottom of a social hierarchy cannot get anywhere higher than if the people at the top let them I guess that's kind of abstract, though. Like, how does how yeah. is that applied in the real world? 
how do you not let them it's she she describes it as allyship allies allyship okay yeah like <clears throat> to be a white ally is to advocate not like it's not to apologize that you are white it is not to apologize that you have prejudices it is to be consciously and uh, actively um, being a voice that uh, expresses concerns that, and challenges oh. the current um, the current paradigm of how white people see racism and why um, people of color are uh, still being oppressed in today's society. Hmm. I was trying to say that I wasn't advocating for reverse racism. I was saying, referring to the, the college uh, affirmative action example, I wasn't saying... I'm never trying... I, I, I never think that like you're the one saying it. I know you're saying things, but when I respond to you, it's not like I'm assuming that... Like I'm, I'm just, just responding to, be, to the idea. I'm trying to I'm trying to be concise right now. I was saying yeah. that like if if you have assumptions, then you should you should rationalize with yourself. If I have assumptions, not you. Yeah. Okay. okay. Like like you more as in society. Like if you think that a, that a kid is struggling in college is because he got he got through because of affirmative action and think. Why is affirmative action there in the first place? Like those who those who think like that and don't understand that people have different environmental factors as to why they are the way that they are, and uh, you know, combined with how they decide to live their lives and conduct themselves, is like we need to. I mean, I, I kind of lost track of that sentence. People who think in a way that immediately thinks, oh, they got to the, the way that they, or they got to where they are because of X and, uh, governmental thing, or they were just handed things in their life and such and such, uh, we, they should explore why they think like that and try to understand that that is, a generalizing opinion or a generalizing thing that they just got there because of you know a, a government program hmm. i don't know I, I don't know what to think about this whole topic i'm trying to have an yeah. open mind i want to read the book but i i think it's not the right way to think about and how, i don't think it's the right way to solve racism in the because there is a problem, obviously, and I think people on the right that I've listened to agree that there's a problem and that we need to fix and we, or we need to help uh, disadvantaged communities. I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is how we do it. And I think changing language and thinking about oppressor versus the oppressed and using racism to fight racism, I'm, I'm, I can't subscribe to that. I wasn't. I think or, it's kind or... of regressive, to be honest, not, not, um, uh, I don't think that you should frame it. I don't think that as someone should frame it as oppressor versus oppressed. I think that that's that's racism, how framing it. There's oppressors. There's that, a, the oppressed, and there's a there's an Olympics that like the can I the more oppressed you are, the more merit you have for some reason. And 
and it's what what Jaden was saying earlier about if you're being an ally. I think a lot of people refer to that as virtue signaling, which is where you're just saying things that sound nice because you want to signal that you're a good person, and now you just yeah. have the moral high ground in whatever argument you have because you're signaling your virtue. And yeah. Yeah, I actually, also don't Robin, think that's necessarily a good thing. Um, Robin D'Angelo actually co- like combats that within this book. But mm. Daniel, Daniel, go ahead. I was saying that you shouldn't frame it that a person shouldn't frame it as oppressor versus oppressed, but they should frame it as different environmental circumstances. That one yeah. starts off with a better environment compared to the other. That's what I was trying to say. But just the fact that saying that you're colorblind is somehow like not correct. She, yeah, that well, is insane to me. I feel like we should we should strive to live in a society where we are literally colorblind and we can't see people like we see the individual. Obviously, now yeah. we can't do that because there's because because of reasons from history, they have been oppressed and we have to deal with that. So it's not now, yeah. but yeah, it's it's because the the idea of colorblindness, in my opinion, is um, not. Is it your right opinion, or is it, it what she wrote in the book? Well, it's 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 starting to how I'm seeing it. It's it's starting to be how I'm seeing it. But um, that's what I mean when when you read a book. That's what I'm saying. Like you're reading it and you're accepting it as fact, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm just saying you have to. It, it when you read it in the moment, it because it's written in a book so nicely and it's a bestseller. Like it's very convincing, and it makes sense okay. in the moment. So you you have to be critical well, she, of that too. What she says is that colorblindness is it it still contributes to racism because you refuse to acknowledge that they are all that they are black that they have race and that you are also uh separating yourself from race yeah, and that you exactly. are just assuming that that and like what it what is behind that is that you are assuming that they have the same things that you had yeah i'm assuming okay. that so, they're a person I was okay. I think with their own individual history and their own individual life, that with their own circumstances, that led them to that moment where I met them. And I think colorblindness is would be the ultimate goal, but I think that because on average, people of color have worse environmental circumstances when they are born, uh, it's hard to be colorblind. That when everyone is born with the same equal opportunity, not affected by by who their parents were, by what their parents experienced, by where history has has made them likely to be born in. Like if everyone had like the same starting line, that colorblindness would be necessary. Yeah, that's also you know what, what I yeah. think. That's I go ahead. Think I actually okay. I I was I was I was a tad bit annoyed at that remark you made about like me. I was, I was imagining, facts, but, but I, I'm I really, just being honest. I really appreciate. I really appreciate you saying that because. Now, hearing y'all say that is, I think that what she is ad- advocating for is the version of colorblindness that we should strive for in society. That you do not see a person's skin color, you just see them as the individual and that they have their individual um, experiences and environmental factors that have contributed to how they are treated and what they are now or not necessarily how they are treated, actually, just who they have become. And the definition that she says of color, colorblindness that she says is wrong in this book 
is a is a version of colorblindness that as i as i said a minute ago just completely writes off that they have had different mm-hmm. circumstances than you and that you are that that not not necessarily you as an individual nick just people yeah, yeah. will will um assume that they were also handed the same opportunities as the individual as another individual yeah that's also the um question of equity versus equality like the starting off equity i I hope i'm using the right word i think it's equity but it's basically um do you want people to have the same opportunity or like it's okay it's equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity so i think it's impossible to have equality of outcome that's basically what communism strives for yeah uh it's like impossible because yeah, because she, equality of opportunity is what allows us to judge someone based off of it's a merit, like, meritocracy, their heart. basically. Yeah. yeah, she actually very rarely uses the term equality, and she mainly, if not only, uses the term equity yeah. to describe the goal that oh, we want. Okay, so let's see. So equity, equity is equality of opportunity. I, I think of outcome. That's the problem, is what I'm saying. Oh, uh, let me, let me take a look. The state of quality of just of just and fair. It's so broad. I can't but, apply it. I mean that sounds like like opportunity. Uh definition of equity, justice according to natural law or right. Freedom from bias or favoritism. Doesn't sound Something bad. that is equitable. Investopedia. Hmm. Oh yeah, no equity is the quality of the outcome. Yeah. Oh really? Because yeah, in this definition I'm reading here, it defines equity as um, represents the amount of. This case is very specific towards money, but we'll just say the amount of outcome that would be returned to a per a person or society if all of the uh, inputs were liquidated and all of the outputs. It, basically, it's just the quality of the outcome. Yeah, I think I think there's two definitions. One that rest that um, that is close to like economics, and one that is actually. I yeah, people. actually, I I think I just read the wrong definition. The quality yeah, so, of being uh, fair and impartial is what yeah. Bing is saying. The one that I read was free of free of bias, and the second one I'm reading is just and fair. I think well. But what's just actually, unfair? Like, I guess I don't know. I guess that's not that hard of a question. I mean, I don't know. I don't know which. I think I think using equality with outcome versus opportunity is good enough. We don't need to add in equity. Yeah, I think that what we should be go- striving for. In society, is the uh, quality of uh, I, I, of I totally forgot the word. The, the quality of opportunity. Yeah. Equality. Equality Which, of opportunity is what I, I mean. I think we mostly do have. Mostly. I mean, yeah. legally, we do have it fully for everyone. But, which doesn't mean that practically, like applied, we do. Yeah, practically. Um, I, I do not think it's there. Like, in policy, 
Yes, but as evidence with uh, different school just or districts gerrymandering and stuff like that, and yeah, I don't know how it is, I don't know how you fix that to be honest. Well, is, with school yeah, districts, is, I'm not trying to make it a, a partisan thing, but it's surprising to me that it, it was most mostly the Democrats who did not want who were um, who created the the school system to be that way, where you can't go to a different school system. Um, they won't let you to go to a better school just because you choose so. And they also don't give, um, um, they don't like uh, parents being able to choose what, what school, like if it's a private school. Um, there's other kinds of schools that, this is why I'm blanking. Uh, um, charter? So, charter? Yeah, charter schools. Like they don't want people to have the choice to go to a charter school when so you I should think, totally have so the choice. So you think that, you think that, Kids should have the choice to go to whatever school they want, as as well as parents. I'd probably help. I don't know what the right answer is because if then I mean, I, everyone would go I, to the best school, and then there'd be a billion people in one school, so you couldn't do. I that. agree with that. I think that I think that people who are born in impoverished neighborhoods shouldn't be limited to that that assigned impoverished school. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But what you have and to do now is like, move. You have to move. Obviously. Because, yeah. Obviously, that's uh, the best school would be extremely overcrowded, and and what I think that should be done is that rather than creating one good school, you need to focus on like a more broad perspective. For example, in, in our state, it is uh, dependent on, or at least in the in the school district that we are in. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure of it, but attendance. Is how the school gets funding. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that, that's bad. That's I think good. that is extremely, really bad. Why? Like, because, because people have obligations outside of school. They might have to work a job. They might have to experience parentification. How do you go to school without going to school? Then you just don't show up. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why. There's yeah. I think it makes like, sense it, if it's, it's attendance. It's a very complex topic. Topic. Because like it's like. The kids might have to stay home because they might have to watch their cousins or their little sisters or their little brothers or they grow old and they turn 16 and they have to get a job. Well, that doesn't sound like a school problem. That sounds like a family problem. It's a, if a 16-year-old... Exactly. If you're in an impoverished neighborhood and you have to get money for your family, you're not going to be able to go to your school. Therefore, your school is going to have worse attendance. Therefore, it's going to get less sure. funding. But what made it? What made that family situation bad in the first place? And there's a lot of arguments for this because um, probably that there was probably they're very yeah. incentivized. This happens. Um, there's like okay, this is a, a really big um, Western civilization value, like core family values, having a, a really strong family core. Um, and I mean Eastern. <clears throat> I think I don't know. Probably Eastern all. is the one that have that have strong family. Okay, family you're values. probably right, but. What I'm saying is that the, the families were incentivized to have single, to have, a, to, okay. They were giving money to single mothers in impoverished neighborhoods, right? And that sounds like a good okay. idea, but if you're incentivizing having a single mother, that led to a bunch of single mothers, which led to a bunch of families without a, a, a dad figure, a father figure. And I, um, there's this one of the arguments against the arguments that you guys are just saying that the problem is not the schools, the problem is, is the families in the first place. Who are, don't have a good okay. place, don't have good figures for the kids to do well, because it. So that's what I'm saying. It's not. Maybe that's what starts this whole problem in the first place, in okay. impoverished neighborhoods. 
Yeah. I think, there, yeah, I agree. I think with that, each, yeah. With, e with, with each problem that you tackle, there will always be a problem before it that needs to be tackled. I think that yeah. the reason why the family, like, why I was saying how there's obligations like that, why they ended up in that neighborhood, why they have to get a job, where they have to watch their sister because their parents are too busy working, it's probably years in history of their, of their previous parents being too poor and not being able to move up in the wealth class, and they have to be stuck living like maybe that, I but i think that's also there is a lot of uh class mobility in the united states like it's people become rich and they get poor again and they go to the middle class like they move up and down the social class a lot more than people think so in general why do you, why do you think that people of color are in worse off neighborhoods and in worse worse off schools mm, yeah i think well, originally it was because of the laws. Like the laws made them go to that place. Um, well, but now, now the laws are gone, and they they're have mostly social, they gone. Have wealth mobility, right? I guess we're going in circles now because they're mostly gone because it still happens with schools um, in the school districts. Um, but it's, there's there's just so many factors. I mean, I can't just point to one thing. They, yeah, things like gentrification. Yeah. Which, I feel like I don't know if gentrification is bad, is unless, I don't know, I'm not sure. I don't know, I feel like if it's not the schools, then it must be the neighborhoods, but if they're, they have the, the same opportunity to move to a better neighborhood, and they just need to get the same wealth, and if there's, there's wealth mobility and they have the same opportunity to obtain wealth and move out to a better neighborhood, why don't they? They do. Obviously. But not everyone do. can do it. But yeah. Obviously, people from poor neighborhoods become so, rich all the time. Are you just saying, are you just saying, like it's people a from of time rich then? neighborhoods get poor? What? Are you just saying, are you just saying it's a matter of time then? Uh, maybe no. Maybe we don't get to do anything? I'm saying that, I mean, I'm just, it's just statistically, out of a million people who are poor, some of them will become rich. That's it. Not even thinking about black neighborhoods and school districts. I'm just saying. That's a fact. Okay. But yeah, it d doesn't answer the problem of the the poor neighborhoods and how the neighborhood itself over time always stays poor. Maybe not the individuals that live in the neighborhood. Those Some of them become rich. Some of them stay there. Some of them move. Mm. So the fact that the neighborhood stays poor is a problem. And I don't, know, really, I don't really know what the answer to that is. Well, But I'm not convinced it's only based on the schools. Is what I'm I mean, even if even if people get rich and people get poor, then if if the people of color that are poor in those poor neighborhoods get rich, they move out to a better suburban neighborhood and better schools. Mm -hmm. Then are they replaced by more poor? Maybe people of color. Maybe that's what happens. Because I mean, I I watch I watch Shameless and they live in the south side of Chicago, a really poor neighborhood, and that's the setting of the show. And every time any of them have an opportunity to leave, they obviously they're like emotionally attached because their family is there. But everyone around them is like, "Go, like get the fuck out of here! If you have the opportunity, get out." That's every that's what they're what they're thinking. Which makes sense because okay. if there's violence around you, you don't want to. That's I'm not just, where you I'm want to I'm just saying, I'm saying that like, I'm just saying these, um, these poor neighborhoods are predominantly statistically made of people of color. So 
if everyone gets poor and everyone gets rich, then wouldn't it be both it be both people of color and white people? Not everyone gets rich. Not everyone gets poor. I don't know. What do you mean by that? Well, statistically, like, some people do. Mean, like some people, some people get poor. Some people get rich. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't wouldn't the the predominantly poor neighborhood? <sighs> okay. I'm, I don't know if you get my point. Like, why? Why did they stay? Sentence. Why? Did, why are there not? Why are there not white people? Why is there no white people in these in these poor neighborhoods? Uh, why is there a minority minority of white people in these poor neighborhoods? Mm, I don't know. Well, what, uh, what uh, one of the explanations that Robin D'Angelo has is that, um. Although, and and this, this is something that I've. I'm I'm kind of on the fence on, is that the ideal in in our society is that um, you you strive to be in a neighborhood of mostly white people if you are white, and I I I really don't know about that. It's just I think it's situational because it's just a nice neighborhood, and that it is what people can afford. Sorry, I'm typing. Was I an- was I answering my question? I don't know. I I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. This is yeah, I think I listened to um I listened to Sam Harris podcast uh, about this topic recently, and Sam Harris is he's a he's uh well apart from a philosopher, he's some kind of scientist, but um. And that's also part of the problem. He they talked a lot about how this this topic is probably like the most complex political topic that we have right now. Like there's so many things that go into this that most people can't even begin to wrap their their head around any of this. I'd love to read a book about it. Like some some at least some explanation to why why people are, are stuck in the in these neighborhoods. Or at least not people are stuck, but People of color well, are sucking these neighborhoods. Um, it's not like specifically those people. They're sure, they can move out. Sure, they can. People can move in, but why are they of color? Yeah, I mean, there's also poor white neighborhoods in the United States. Obviously, there's less of them, but they exist. There's really, yeah. really poor yeah. small towns yeah. of white I, miners. I agree. I'm, I'm just saying majority. Why is the majority of it people of color? I don't know. And I'd like to read a book about why, why, like some explanation. Hmm. Well, we've done an hour. Uh, we can continue, or we can. We we said we would talk about self development, and we haven't. Yeah. You guys want to talk about self development? I don't know if we should we should mix it. I don't think it's I don't think it's correlated. <laughs> okay. Okay. That could be the next topic. We can we can we can do yeah we can do a topic again. Um. You should watch, Jaden, you should watch um, the Ben Shapiro video I saw just to challenge some ideas. Okay. I sent it earlier. Oh, but right, we should, we should uh, exit it, though. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to Udcast, what, number five now? I think so. Yeah. It was a good conversation. Pretty it was a tough conversation, but I mean, I think I think I'm ready to continue this conversation conversation in my head and read up and educate myself on yeah 
different different ideas. I think it's good as well to for us to confront these these opposing ideas and our own ideas, and just make sure that we're we we continue in life with with what we believe is to be like the best idea yeah. or the best philosophy. Yeah, indeed.